All right, I'm Dan, and welcome to the Stage Fright Podcast, where we talk mental health while working in creative industries. Today on the show, I'm talking to Zan Lawther. You play Wembley, so you must be a millionaire. <laughs> Zan was a member of the vocal trio, the Lounge Kittens. We're walking out to a room full of metalheads, and some of them are very, very adamant that they are not going to have a good time. We talk about the differences between your onstage and offstage persona. Played two sets of la da 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 aren't we funny? Yeah. And then got back in the car and cried all the way home. And the point when it turned from just three people on stage to something a little bit bigger. Well, the moment when I was sat in bed and Fred Durst started tweeting us. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about the insecurities. I sang with the other two for seven years and I still at the end felt like I was the shit one and secretly they wished I wasn't in the band. And how much do you really get paid for playing Wembley? <laughs> I didn't even get that. That was for the band. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what the people want to know. And what life is really like backstage at a Steel Panther show. Hey, here we are backstage for all the hookers and drugs. Yes, and yeah, you're like, yeah. no, it's just seven men in shorts yeah. looking for Wi-Fi. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're listening to the Stage Fright Podcast. Here's Zan Lauder. Right, so this um, pod... Thanks for coming on, anyway. Thanks for, like, doing it, because right. it was really interesting. When I got the message from you, the first thing I saw was the fact that you thought you weren't a big enough name. It's, and I it was like, that's mad. It sent the messages mad. weird. Like, it was really odd. I think it sent them back to front. Like, I got the big one first. Oh, did you? Oh, well, that was probably one. the right that one. That was well, the way, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've sent when, messages on Instagram and they just don't show up on my side. Yeah. And then, it, like, someone would be like, oh, cool, uh, is that the address for the studio? And you're like, oh, yeah, have you got the address? Because it literally <laughs> hasn't sent it in my end. But, yeah, it was mad because, firstly, I guess, do you want to say who you are and what you do and why you wanted to kind of get involved in the in the show? Yeah, um, I'm Zan and I used to be in the Lounge Kittens when it was a thing, which was a band, yeah. <laughs> a three-part harmony uh, covers band, I guess. But people, I hope, we always hated it when people called us a covers band. We did do yeah. covers, but it was like very different takes on songs. Yeah. Um, the band finished. We played our final shows in February 2020, about yeah. two weeks before lockdown. No way. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there like snippets of lockdown coming in so people were like wearing masks and stuff. Uh, there was talk of this the virus but yeah. no one was paying any attention to it at that yeah. point i don't know that where there were like confirmed cases in the uk yet i think everyone was just sort of talking about the news overseas but um yeah it was certainly not even something that we even had to consider like yeah. at the time like a week later everyone was considering because you went out <laughs> on weeks. tour you went out on tour with a full band didn't you Yes, so we did. So they were our farewell show. So we didn't have a support. We just did. Um, we did two sets. So we did awesome. one set, just pure lounge kittens, and one set with the full band. How long was each set? Forty-five minutes or so, and maybe an hour. I can't was remember these days. Yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty. It feels like oh, that was last year. And you're like, oh no, that was nearly three years. Nearly ago. three years yeah. ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's like it feels like it feels like decades and seconds. At, yeah, like at the same time. Oh, that's the industry, isn't it? I think when I went on tour in, I went on tour with Incubus in 2018, I still think, oh, that was not that long ago. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, 2018 was fucking five years ago. Like, yeah. When, Jesus. when we played with, when we went on tour with Steel Panther, it was 2015. And I'm like, no it way. just feels like so, like, it doesn't, you're like, what? Yeah. It feels like <laughs> oh, last week. That's like, nearly eight, what? <laughs> yeah. like, oh dear. I'm yeah. old. <laughs> like, I think we might have been at the same um, download as well. I was listening to your other podcasts and, um, um you guys were talking about um marilyn manson and um oh yes like Ice Cube yeah and it was um, black veil brides and i was like oh my god we probably walked we past, probably each, walked other past each other yeah. yeah but the thing is i would have i would have known 
who you are. One, because um, I used to be in a band with Dave Matthews. I think you used to work yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah, I used to work, I used to, I used to yeah. I only put that together as I was driving down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I would have known who you are and the fact that the Lounge Kittens were so kind of recognisable. When I first heard about you guys, my first thought was, oh, they they need a band, like they need a full band. And then I saw you guys like a YouTube video and I thought, these guys don't need a band. I was like, this is, <laughs> this is what it's about. And the fact, and it was the first time I properly saw the amount of work you guys put in because it's not just about the music. You guys had to work on your look, what you portrayed, what, what came across had to be like a specific, we do this, this and this. It's not just, oh, we've, we've written a song, here it is, or we've released a song, here it is. It's like, the work you guys must have put in yeah, to we, get to that stage. We spent, we, we put a lot of effort into, um, f- uh, firstly, obviously like, we were funny. Yeah. We wanted to be funny. Yeah. Um, and like our covers were supposed to be funny mm-hmm. and silly and they weren't just like, oh, three girls doing a really pretty version of a metal song. Yeah. You know, like sometimes we did that, mm-hmm. but usually as a sort of shock tactic to get people back in the room to be like, oh yeah, they can really sing. Yes. Um, but also to convince a lot of people in the industry that like I mean we didn't set out with this ideal but like over time that to sort of show people that what we were doing was actually quite hard mm. <laughs> um and so I think that was one of the things that always set us in really good stead with other artists because we were always invited to come and support with other artists yeah. and work with other artists because other artists could see how technically what we were doing yeah. was really quite hard For just three of you and a piano, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's quite a show. Three whiny bitches and a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wouldn't say that. I, I, you know, I do really admire what what you guys did with sort of that limited, you know, just three voices and and the keys. Whereas I'd be like, no, let's get a drummer and let's get a bass player, and then it just turns into every other fifties, sixties um, well, style band that wanna. I mean, we loved we loved working with the band when yeah. we when we had the band, yeah. and it was always the aim was to get to the point where we could do shows with a band. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always wanted to be able to pay everyone, and we never. Man- mm. It wasn't until really near the end that we got to the point where we could actually afford to pay people for their time. Yeah. Um, but also, you don't get that we did, wouldn't have had the spontaneity that we could have with just Jen on the keys yeah. and the three voices. So, like, if we made a mistake or something weird happened, which it always does, like we could run with that and mm-hmm. we could start the sh- we could start the songs as and when we pleased, and yeah. we didn't have to like. You, you guys know, knew each other so well that you know how much of your show was rehearsed, like to the fact that w- when you talk to the audience and say. Because not a lot of people realise this, that a lot of shows, when they talk about merch or their little jokes in between shows, not lounge games, I mean, just bands in general, how much of that is actually rehearsed? Because it's, uh, people do forget on stage. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, load, uh, like, we did have bits. We had, obviously, we had bits. Like, we had intros to certain songs that we worked out over the course yeah. of time that yeah. work well. Um, I guess it's really similar to like comedians honing their like set like you know you go out on the tour and you've got a bunch of songs and you've got you've got bits that slide into the the old songs and then the new songs you're like oh well maybe you talk then and maybe I'll say something about this and but by the end of the tour like you've got all your slick bits and you know somebody's responded to something you said with something funny one show so you use that again next show and it just kind of builds and builds yeah but yeah certainly the first the first few shows on the tour are a little bit like like swing and a miss yeah see what happens <laughs> and yeah you're never going to be as good as you are on the last day of tour you know that's when your band as a band you're going to be as tight and uh, as you are um 
it interested me in your message in Instagram when you saw the advert for the show or did Grant tell you about it? Or no, I saw you your saw... post. Oh, yeah, cool. I follow, I follow you because of Grant. Oh, great. Yeah, Everybody's cool. favourite lounge uh, kitten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's the one that everyone fancies. Um, yeah, it interested me in your message that you said you didn't feel like you were a big enough name. And I was like, that's quite interesting for musicians to like, we put ourselves in these little boxes of mm. like, okay, I'm not as big as this person. So they're going to want to use the him instead, or I'm, I'm, I'm probably doing more than him. So I might be all right there. But it just interests me the way you phrase, like you didn't think you were a big enough name because you've played Wembley. So you must be a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess it's like, it's more that I guess, cause the band doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I mean, they they both still exist. I've yeah, seen, yeah. Like, <laughs> don't, don't worry. But um, like because we we're, we're not an ongoing thing, and I guess like and I guess that all comes into the theme of the podcast is the sort of imposter syndrome yeah. that a lot of us in the creative industries just live with constantly. Mm-hmm. That we, as a band, never set out to do any of the things that we did. Wow. We got together, we were singing together in a choir. Well, Jen was leading the choir and we, Timmy and I were part of the choir and um, they'd had this idea for the band and we went out the first ever night we ever went out together for drinks just as mates. Um, they were like, oh, okay, do you guys want to, do you want to be in a band? We've got this idea. And I was like, yeah, sure. Oh my God, I could never be in a yeah. band. And um, then nothing happened. And then when we we started sort of, working together it was very much we just was doing it for we thought we'd just play in the pub and like play maybe a couple of people's weddings and like that would be fun to sing some songs and then everything happened was there a specific point that you thought oh this is bigger than we intended probably the time the moment when i was sat in bed with tonsillitis and fred durst started tweeting yeah (laughs) that was a story that i heard back in the day and i thought no way fred durst had been onto them and he's like slid into my dms and you're there with tonsillitis (laughs) and i was there like sweating (laughs) like in my bed just like so ill and i'm like trying to update the other two on like what's going on but also just being like is this real and i don't know and this is kind of like did you do a lot of the um social media stuff then yeah so i um was lovingly referred to as business kitten okay um because uh i guess that's part of the imposter syndrome so i i don't read music i didn't write any of the music like i can sing but i sing what i'm told Mm -hmm. the way that we worked um was quite unusual in that the other two would um we discovered really quickly when we first sat down together we all tried to write the songs mm-hmm. together arrange the songs together and we just discovered it's it. rare the bands can do that rubbish <laughs> and it was a waste of time and i was completely sitting there just twiddling my thumbs yeah. being like yeah okay i'll just sing that bit yeah. fine so they would each write individually and they would um record each harmony line and then send it the rest of us oh and say like, Zan, this tracks. is what you're singing and so it'd be Timmy like Zan's track doing. Timmy's track Great. Jen's track and we would learn separately listening to it and then we would come together and put it all together and then we would tweak it as necessary so that I assume added to your imposter syndrome of you're just waiting for the email or the whatsapp or whatever to come in and with your part on it yeah and mm-hmm. I'm just really good at admin Admin yeah I did get to them to stop calling me that and (laughs) after a while they were like they're like Zan does all the admin and I'm like oh yeah that sounds really awful so it kind of became 
business kitten. Also, I was I work in the music industry anyway. I was working for a promoter in Southampton at the mm-hmm. time, so I already had quite a few contacts. And when and quite a savvy mind for <laughs> I business, just, I guess. I guess I just kind of knew how the business worked yeah. a little bit in terms of touring, in terms of booking, and like you know, in terms of social media and all of that kind of. The thing, I mean, very, very minorly at the time, mm-hmm. but um, very steep learning curve. Yeah. Um, so I just naturally took that. I also had a job that allowed me to do that at yes. the same time as working, whereas Jen was leading choirs. She can't sit there on email <laughs> at yeah. the same time. Yeah. And, and Timmy was working a job where they you know, weren't allowed to look at their phone. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, you know, it was sort of like, oh, well, somebody's got to get back to all these people. Yeah. Um, especially fred durst messages you you've got you can't leave that two days I'm like, sorry fred i'm sick sorry fred yeah <laughs> come back <B-R-B>. later. <laughs> is it safe to say you kind of went down the youtube route your videos and the covers you yeah. did um what was that like in terms of song arranging fine but the song writing the song royalties did you have to pay Andrew WK or Limbiscuit or anything? It, it all gets taken out with the digital. Um, it works differently for digital and physical, but for digital, uh, yeah, it all gets taken out. So when you put your music up via whatever streaming platform, like or whatever company you use that pushes it out to all the platforms, mm-hmm. they take that before they pay you, they take that money out that, pay that pays whoever. for the licensing for the thing because anyone can cover anybody's song and yeah. put it out on the thing as long as you give them the right credits for it yeah. um, with the physical stuff like when you burn a seat when you make cds then you have to pay a set licensing fee for how many cds you've burned yeah. rather than how many cds you've sold yes yeah. <laughs> which is quite the gamble yeah i've, I've worked with a girl I play guitar for a girl called Emma Swift and she runs her record label. Um, and she says she'd done a whole record on Bob Dylan stuff. So she said, when we got those CDs printed, say you print 5,000, that money goes straight to Bob Dylan's people before you even get yeah. the CDs back, you know, and then, and then you sell them and then you make the money from there. So yeah. you are You gambling. hope you sell them. You got to hope you sell <laughs> yeah, those if CDs. you sell 10 CDs and you're, you've yeah. paid out a lot of money. And um, yeah, I mean, and all that stuff, we had our own record label, cool um great records and uh um which was again we were like you can't put all of this stuff out digitally without naming a record label for it so you're just kind of like all right well i guess we're a record label now and um so yeah there was a lot to there was a lot to learn about all that kind of stuff and i mean i haven't i've been haven't been doing it for a few years it's probably all changed again now oh yeah it changes every day (laughs) terrifying it's it's horrible (laughs) it's the worst (laughs) that was something we were always scared about you were always scared that you were going to have done something wrong and somebody was going to come around and be like you can't have that video or like you can't sing that song i've last year i haven't done it for a while but i started doing um like recreations of tv theme tunes and everyone i put up on youtube it gets a copyright strike on it yeah. uh, not a copyright strike they say i can put it up but they say you can't monetize this and i'm like okay how do i get around monetizing that and then you have to do certain things and then the rules of that will change again Try, yeah medleys don't don't even bother. oh it's yes such the pop punk medley you guys did. so the only yeah the only one we sold i th- there was only one that we put up the uh, shauna paul um we sold and the rest of them that we gave away like for free we've never yeah. put them up like in the same way because just even finding all of the writing credits yes on 
everything is such a pain admin involved and putting that we had an 80s and 90s cartoon theme tune medley and everyone all the fans like please release the cartoon theme tune medley please and i was like i just can't can't, i can't i just literally for legal reasons i just cannot and because i cannot be bothered to find out who wrote the theme tune for ducktales and has the light who owns (laughs) who owns the licensing to it and it's just it's just because you'll put 90 names up and go cool i think that's all of them and then there's one that you would have missed and one that's still going we did have that we had that with the sean paul medley actually like somebody um like you know the licensing people got in in touch like years after that ep came out how quick actual years like it it came real out of the blue we were like this has been out for like five years and uh and they were like oh yeah there's somebody had had a writing credit on this thing and we had to give them some more money oh jesus such an effort isn't it yeah, so uh, still, like, the van's not been going for three years and you still, like, we still, like, keep a little pocket of, like, funds just in case. Just in happens. case that happens. But, yeah. Oh, my God. This podcast is, is it's obviously called Stage Fright, but for most of the people, I've found that being on stage is the least frightening part. But you seem to have stage fright. I wouldn't say stage fright. I mean, I definitely at the beginning, obviously you get better at yeah, it the yeah. more you do it. At the beginning, um, yeah, definitely like shaky, like just really no confidence in oh, wow. my ability. And again, because like the other two, Jen is um fabulously musical person. She's MDing in the West End and things now. She's like... um uh you know she can play 10 instruments cool. she's got perfect pitch cool. as well so she Great. can hear yeah. absolutely everything you do wrong okay and will she let you know that after the show no she no she's she i mean she's a wonderful teacher so Great. she um, she's an md for a reason though. yeah, yeah so she she would never ever make you feel bad about yeah. it she would never say oh my god you were so awful but she would try and find if you were consistently doing something wrong she would try and find a way to Great. like help you correct that but like, you know, once you've known somebody for that many years, like, you know, you're like, oh, Jen knows I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and Timia um, was, you know, Timia had a musical background from, you know, from childhood. So they're both much more, um, were much more experienced than me. And, uh, you know, I'd never done anything other than sing in a choir. I trained as an actor. So. Oh, cool. Which was helpful in terms of there was a lot of our stage show that was funny. There was a lot of banter. There was a lot of, you know, funny faces, like all that kind of stuff. Um, So it took a while to feel like mega confident on stage in terms Mm. of... And also the bond between you. Like once you've been performing for a few years and you've been through a whole load of adventures, you get this bond where I know that the three of us could... The three of us could step out on stage tomorrow and we'd hash our way through something. Yeah. But we'd have a really good time and they'd both have my back. Yes, yeah. And it would be okay. And And do you have that that, um, relationship where if you didn't speak to each other for 10 years, in 10 years you get back together and it would just be like... 100%. Yeah, Yeah, you can't... It's like... It's the biggest relationship... I've ever had yeah great like it's like you can't no one else can understand what we went through other than the other two and obviously they have slightly different versions of it because you do but like no one can take that that side of our relationship away you've got that emotional bond and even just down to little oh remember that time when we were Gloucester services and that guy was doing that and yeah you've even got those little stories that only you three will Oh, yeah, I know millions of them as well. But yeah, certainly at the beginning, there was definite, 
definite anxiety even just getting up on the stage okay. and like things like you know I didn't know how to sing in a microphone very well yeah like I didn't know what to do with my arms yeah. I didn't know what to do with the rest of my body um there was lots of times at the beginning where I would watch like footage of us like on the stage and be like oh yeah don't stand like that you know or, yeah. like definitely move a bit more like that after a while you stop doing that because it's far too yeah. critical and it becomes like negative it goes the other way yes i've i've started doing a, a stand-up comedy course just oh, for cool. something different to do and one of the bits of advice is don't practice in a mirror or don't film yourself and watch it back because you're looking the wrong way you need to always be facing out into the into the crowd that if makes... you're looking at yourself you're looking the, you're looking the wrong way go yeah. and watch a stand-up comedian and it's so true yeah we we did we had had a very similar experience actually the first time we saw steel panther mm. like it wasn't the first time i'd seen them but the first time the three of us went to download in 2014 um just for just for, for fun as guests oh, yeah, just, and yeah. um and panther were playing and they've obviously got really slick banter like their yes. banter is all very well choreographed and and like and it's really really slick and we were literally taking notes yeah we were great. like no our banter needs yeah. to be so much better oh yes maybe yeah. we could be like this or maybe we could do like that and we really really like turned yeah. it up in terms of like making the show feel like that and you, you it is it is an act like any band on stage and adele is an act you know it's it's, it's her um i remember going to see a guy um, I won't say his name, but he's one of my like songwriting heroes. And he had a band with him and he was saying all these jokes on stage. He was saying yeah, jokes and like the crowd were laughing. The band were just stood there, just dead faced. And I thought, oh no, these guys have heard this joke every night on this tour. <laughs> and I was like, no, what they need to do. So every, every time I MD a band, I always say to the artist and the band, I'll always say, whenever you know, the artist makes a joke, you guys need to like laugh along because then the audience will feel like it's one. But it's the same know, it's principle the of acting. It's because you're not saying anything, you've got to be listening yeah. to what's yeah. going on. If you're just stood there staring out into space, then everyone else is going to be bored as well. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music for advert free, higher quality and early access to the Stage Fright podcast. Because you guys go out on stage with the whole like hair thing is like a, a, a look of yours, the whole like dress thing, the whole you're smiling and loving life. Everyone in that crowd is going, these guys have the best job in the world. Surely, <laughs> surely they've got nothing to whinge about. Well, I think that's I think that's a really key thing um, with anxiety and and uh, mental health issues and people that appear on stages is that it's really hard to talk about sometimes because mm. oh no poor little pop star did you have a yes. bad time at Wembley yes <laughs> like yeah and you're like obviously it is the it is the best job yeah. in the world like I've had lots of jobs and standing on stage at Wembley is 100% mm. the best job and standing on stage in any of the stages the tiny stages and the big stages they're all really different but it is also like there are loads of elements that are really hard and loads of elements that are really boring yes. and so much of it particularly in our first year or two because obviously the we'd only been together for about six months when the video went viral wow um so we'd played seven gigs yeah something like that like really really small amount of yeah. gigs like in churches and at like you know weddings and stuff um so not even real like proper audience gigs you know yeah. like ones where you're just paid to sort of be background music a lot of yeah. the time yeah and um the video went viral and it was our first ever video we made it because somebody said oh it'd be funny if you made a music video so mm -hmm. we did mm -hmm. and then people started booking us 
and like people like Glastonbury and Sonosphere and <laughs> Boomtown and yeah. you know like yeah. proper, proper you have played some amazing places yeah it was really good (laughs) what when you get that call that email whatever you did the admin (laughs) that says uh still panther and skindred want to bring you on tour was it skindred wasn't it yeah skindred skindred were were the main support in uh the uk and then we went out with panther for the rest of the european tour awesome that's just just us so when you get that email What's the first thing you think? What What's that like? <laughs> I mean, getting getting the job with Panther was like a real, like quite a long, drawn out sort was of it? conversation um, that had that stemmed from several parts. Partly, we have Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit to thank because yeah. we were chatting to him and we were talking about how great we thought Panther were and how we'd seen them and blah blah blah. So it wasn't just a quick tweet by Fred Durst. It was like. Oh, no, 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 because he had us on stage at Sonosphere and with with Biscuit. So we opened for Biscuit. Yes, of course. Um, And then he came came to see us at Sonosphere in one of the backstage shows that we did. And then he got us on stage the next day, like in front of 60,000 people. Yeah. You know, and that was probably our 15th gig ever, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And and, uh, um, and then, you know, we kept in touch for quite a while afterwards. And it was after Sonosphere that he was like, uh, we were talking about Steel Panther and he was like, oh, I know those guys really well. Like, let me see, let me, let me. And he sent an email to their management being like, guys, you've got wow. to listen to these girls. And then, but also on the other side, Skindred had already been um, brought in as main support. And I did an, in, I was interviewing Aria from Skindred mm-hmm. um, for my job. Um, but we've been mates for a while. And so I was like, oh, I was like, oh my God, Steel Panther is so good. And he yeah. was like, oh, do you know what? You should put lounge kittens forward for it. And I was like, don't be silly. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's a real band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was like, no, seriously, they're looking for an opener. But because of our setup, because we were just three girls and a keyboard, three mics and a keyboard, I think that was part of the reason that we got so many of the jobs that we did mm. was because practically... We're like really, we were really simple. We could stand in front of everybody else's stuff. We had the changeover took 30 seconds. Like we didn't need anything. Did you have a tour manager? Me mostly. Yeah. We had a tour manager for the Steel Panther tour because we went into Europe and there were really long drives. And we we had a tour manager and a driver um, for that. But everything else was was me. How long was your set for Steel Panther? Um, I think we probably had 20, 25 minutes at Wembley and we had 45 minutes when we moved up into main wow. support. Um, so enough time to turn the room. Yeah. <laughs> Whichever way. <laughs> Did you get, because you, cause you kind of, you do warm up the crowd really well, especially for a show like that, because you're playing songs that all oh, the Steel Panther fans, they know them. They'll sing along. Uh, we took that really seriously. Mm. Um, and actually, I think probably it was one, it was one of my favourite things to do is to be like main support for a band. Yes, because yeah. it's just, it, you have all of the fun and not as much of the pressure. Yep. Like you don't have to worry if the t- all the tickets are sold. No. You don't have to worry about, you know, we never drank um, or like did, any, you know, did anything. Yeah. Um, before a show so like but so often you know when we were headlining there wasn't even time for a celebratory beer by the time you've come off stage put everything away said hello to some fans and got changed everyone's trying to shoo you out the venue yes and so yeah, um, yeah. yeah so being main support is great because by like half nine you're finished yeah you're done <laughs> like, you can go and hang out and watch Steel Panther like, yeah, exactly yeah. every night which yeah. we did yeah but like 
obviously, particularly on the Panther tour, where we were still relatively new and we were in Europe as well, where we hadn't really had as much, you know, impact in the previous year mm-hmm. of festivals and things. You're going into new territory. There we're as well, walking yeah. out to a room full of mostly male yeah. metalheads. Yeah. And some of them are very, very adamant that they are not going to have a good time That's <laughs> to that, three girls. <laughs> that's what really I admire about the three of you is the metal scene, the songs that you guys were doing is very male male dominated. And then three pretty girls get on stage and sing these songs. In sequins. In sequins. <laughs> and high heels. Yeah. Like, is that a worrying Yeah, I mean, it, there are some there are some serious nerves when you go out on onto those bit and they were big stages as well yeah. you know like for mo- for the most part or certainly for us you know mm. we'd gone from playing to 50 people in a pub and you get you're faced with uh, the front row is almost entirely women that want to get on stage at a steel panther yeah. concert because that's part of their act yeah so they kind of hate you a lot of them because yeah. they you're backstage with they them, also yeah. assume that you're you know, sleeping with yeah, all the band course, and yeah. like that's all the only reason you're, you're there yeah everybody does and um <laughs> yeah you're not there to do a job like no how, how so could, could we you be there to do how a job could we have possibly been chosen on <laughs> merit to come and yeah. and then chosen again because we're actually really nice people yeah. and we're really easy to get along with and we just do a really good job yeah but no obviously definitely because sleeping with the band and then you know and then between <laughs> behind them is a wall of grumpy male men yeah. <laughs> not every obviously not yeah, everyone they're the best we had the best, they but... we had and we did turn almost everybody which was amazing part of became part of the challenge you're like i'm gonna find yeah. the one person in this room that, that this has their arms engine. crossed yeah that hates it they don't want to move because they don't want to lose their spot but they don't want to watch you yeah and they definitely don't want to engage <laughs> yeah and i'm going to turn them i'm going to concentrate my entire show on, on that one guy amazing I make them smile and then he comes and buys a lounge kittens t-shirt at the end and you go yes we've won <laughs> yeah and they tweet us being like i thought you guys were gonna yeah. be really rubbish yeah. and uh, uh, that, but that was part of the that was part of the joy the first time we ever played our rammstein medley was on stage on that tour in germany in front wow. of a german audience and still we were backstage learning it yeah as i say you rehearsing on the tour yeah well we got called in early they had um black veil brides were supposed yeah. to support them on the first two shows okay. in in europe and they pulled out after the f- um first show and so um we were called in in an emergency sort of can you get to holland now wow way so we lost our like rehearsal days yeah. in the middle of tour where we were going to polish up the rammstein medley so we didn't do it in the holland show but we when we got to germany we were sat on the floor of our dressing room hammering through yes. learning to speak to sing in german yeah and oh my god yeah it's a different language <laughs> oh, i didn't think of that yeah in german in front of a german audience, <laughs> german audience. and panther were all like i c- we can't believe you guys are going to yeah. do this and like we just like just did it mm-hmm. and i think that's a lot of the, the lot of the way that we just got over the absolute terror of doing those kinds of things was just like uh, who wants to be the girl that didn't do it yeah Somebody, yeah. you're like, oh no, actually, I don't really. Um, I'm not. I'm going to say no to Wembley because it's a bit big. Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm quite ready. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. could we do it in two years' time? Yeah. Like you're just because this opportunity will come up again. So it's exactly. Fine, you know? So we just like when everything went mental, we we in that first summer we were like we genuinely said to each other we're like well let's see how much we can get out of this summer. 
because yeah. we thought we're going to be that that thing that was funny for a summer yeah. and no one will pay any attention to us in six months time brilliant like let's just yeah. have a load let's just of ride this wave let's just have and, a yeah. laugh yeah and then obviously like years and years later you're sort of down the line being like oh <laughs> that we're kind st- of we're still yeah yeah we're still doing this. Oh, this okay great now yeah so but at the time you're like well i'm not gonna say no yeah because it's scary i'm just gonna do it yeah even if that means stepping out onto the stage at glastonbury and singing starting a song in the wrong key yeah. oh, is that what happened <laughs> genuinely oh <happened>. no <laughs> glastonbury was my nemesis stage was it it was my my and i love it i've been to glastonbury yeah. since i was 15 like that was the biggest one when we got that email that was the one where all my body flooded was like it was, um, adrenaline. It was the other stage, wasn't it? Cause no, we played um, the cabaret, cabaret oh. in cabaret. You did you did the other stage one year because I set up your stage for you. Was it? Oh, it's download. No, I'm thinking download. download. Yeah, yeah, we did the second the stage Zippo. at download. Yeah, the Zippo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I worked for a sound company that. So I played ah. the keyboard to do a line check before you guys. Oh came no on. way! How mad is that? Yeah. So we were. That was me. I was right. We yeah. were at the same download. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when we opened opened for Marilyn Manson, as I yes. like to say. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> Probably was it. not say anymore though, because we're not yeah. allowed to say that. Yeah. Um, Bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> Bad but times. Glastonbury is your. I so Glastonbury was a really weird one because I got given the contact for the the cabaret. Tech. We did a lot of work in cabaret, mm. like um, we like because we were com- because we were funny, mm. we and bit si- and silly. We kind of traversed both planes, so yeah. we could play in your standard rock venue, and then we could supporting you know rock artists, so yeah. we could we could appear as part of a sort of burlesque night yes. and be the sort of com- comedy musical act, and. Um, I got given the contact for the cabaret tent at Glastonbury and um, we weren't actually free that weekend. (laughs) But I was like, I'll email them because there's no way they're going to say yes. (laughs) And I just thought, I'll send the email. And then when we come to properly apply like next year, if we want to like properly apply to them, they might remember our name. Yeah, yeah. You know worth a pun the admin head and you yeah i was just yeah i was like you know because you see a name enough times you're like oh yeah i know them like and you've never really heard of them so um and then we got an email back being like yeah can you play all three days in the cabaret tent and i was like oh oh Oh, shit (laughs) oh we're gonna have to cancel that shopping trip we're gonna have to cancel redoing the car well jen was a bridesmaid at a wedding (laughs) oh really So, um, yeah, so I ended up having to sort of negotiate with Glastonbury and be like, I'm really sorry, but can you like align our sets like in this particular way? So Jen, poor Jen had to come to Glastonbury. We ended up playing six shows that weekend. You ended up playing various other stages and like backstage and things. And then in the middle of it, Jen had to drive to like Surrey, be a bridesmaid and then drive back in time for another show. Um, But yeah, that stage, because... Because it was a, it was a really, it's a really interesting kind of gig. It's a massive stage mm-hmm. in a huge tent, but everyone sits down. Oh. Because it's usually comedy. So it's. Oh, right. So yes. they put matting on the floor. So everyone takes their shoes off and everyone sits down. And it's all really nice and really friendly. Oh, awesome. But it doesn't have that kind of, gig it doesn't have feeling. the bop of a gig. Yeah. So you kind of have to be funnier. But we hadn't, we hadn't really honed our like act. Like we always say that we don't feel like we really cracked our Glastonbury set until the final year. We oh, did really? Glastonbury. We knew the band was going to finish by that point. Oh, okay. So it's a bit bittersweet. But it wasn't year one actually that I could. Year one, I messed up the sound check, and 
I was just so nervous, just standing on the mm. stage, like singing into these really fancy microphones yeah. and hearing the, in the empty tent. Like, yeah. and I was just like, oh my God. And I was really nervous and I didn't sing very well in the sound check. And um, it's a lot of pressure. I found the sound, sound check almost more terrifying than the gig. You haven't got your sparkles on. I guess so, yeah. You haven't got your yeah. face on. You haven't got your armour. Like, and everyone is properly listening to you because it's just the sound guys yeah. and the technicians and things. Yeah. And uh, I messed up the sound check. And we, when we walked on stage to do the actual set for the first time, they'd put a whacked a absolute ton of reverb onto oh. my voice only. Oh, no. So, so like which is obviously a terrible thing to do because it sounded really weird in the yeah. mix and like obviously and i obviously it just completely shot my nerves which were already like at high so i was like they think i'm the shit one yeah that's what you must be thinking well they put on more reverb because they think i'm the worst one to, it, oh, well obviously horrible. that's exactly what they don't and i saw like um uh kai who was sort of tour managing for us that weekend and my brother who was being our our, our technical help both make a beeline straight for the sound oh. Cool. And be like, turn the reverb off on her voice um and they did and i i did the show but i like i was so traumatized yeah. from that that the second the second time we played um we decided i don't know why i think we thought it was funny we decided it would be really funny if we went on really stern faced and really <laughs> like <laughs> like, like, but still dressed up to the nines still dressed like. up to the nines but like really stern faced and really serious and just broke into the prodigy medley which, which starts with sort of like a very like church like choral like um beginning and it's all sort of like you know twisted choristers and um, yeah. and we thought this would be hilarious and it just fell completely flat on its face like no one understood it all the fans were like why are they mad <laughs> like why are they angry with us and we walked onto the stage and i start that song like there's a piano chord and then i go into the ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, and yeah. i just didn't I didn't even know that I'd started it in the wrong oh, no. key. And I'd sung that song a hundred times before and never had a problem. And I didn't even know until the other two joined in with me and I had to pitch correct oh, myself no. on stage. <laughs> no one else would have probably known. No, not at all. But then I was like, right, that's strike two for the glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was like failing your driving test in the first five minutes of the test. You yeah. still have to complete the rest yeah. of the show knowing that you've just massively let everybody down yeah. and just try not to cry. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Because um, anything that you do to react to it is going to make it worse. Yeah. So you just have to pretend that didn't happen. And attention to it. No one hates me and everything is fine. Yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> Until you get off stage and then you're just like, I'm so, I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm mortified. And you yeah. just burst into tears and hope that they don't fire you from the band. <laughs> oh mate yeah that's that's not a nice story no it, but it's quite funny now like yeah, and it, yeah. it was funny at the time obviously the other two were just wonderful about it and yeah. like and we've all we all made mistakes and we just started making mistakes part of the show yeah so we would just laugh at each other and like, obviously jen had well jen was the only musical instrument on stage yeah. apart from voices she's gonna play a bum chord at some point yeah, yeah. but none of us no never minded like you just like just power through or go whoopsie and like yeah. carry on because yeah. like there's nothing to hide it you don't have guitar or drums or whatever no. like if you play a one wrong note no one's really gonna notice yeah. but like if one of you is wrong yeah you're so when, naked up there really aren't you you 
it's just the voices. Yeah, and, you can't yeah. be off. That's why we never drank on stage or anything yeah. like that. Because if, if you're even slightly off, it's just the whole thing is off and it yeah. doesn't work. And the yeah. whole reason it worked was because we were good at it. Yes, exactly. Which is yeah. what I tell myself in my, oh, low, no. it, my yeah. low moments. <laughs> like. All right, I'm just going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about my Patreon, where for the price of half a coffee a month, you will get early ad-free versions of the podcast in a higher quality, as well as a load of behind-the-scenes photos and audio that I've been told to say are NSFW? Which I don't know what it means, but people have it on their OnlyFans account. Apparently, I, I, I don't know, I've been, I've been told that. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. You can also get the app on your phone so you can listen to my voice wherever you may be. My Patreon has a pay-what-you-can scheme where all tiers are the same. The aim of this is to have more Patreons paying the smaller fee a month and not pricing people out, which in turn will pay for the show and help it run and run until the end of time. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to the show. You come off stage at yeah, Glastonbury or Wembley, one of the big shows, and you've still got personal problems to deal with. You go on stage and you're like, right, yeah, this is my thing. 25 minutes later, you're back in the dressing room, right? Oh, I've got to sort out that leak in the kitchen and when I get home and I've got to do all this. It's <clears throat> such a weird feeling that no one ever sees that side. The, the show bit is such a small part of yeah. being in the band. It's like really a lot of effort for really tiny reward in terms of like the actual percentage of time you spend doing the really, really good bit, yeah. which is being on stage and interacting with the fans. Um, and especially when, you know, like I did take on, take on so much responsibility with the management of the band, because as mm. soon as you walk off stage, everything is your problem again. Yeah. But also, you know, we performed on stage in some of our worst mental health states personally. Really? Because the show is happening, whether you've, you're going for a breakup or have just had an operation or mm. like um, these are actual experiences or you're in the middle of a house move or, you know, your mm. whole life has imploded or you're the, bro the most broke you've ever been. Yeah. That show was booked six months ago. So you're, you're going to turn up and do yeah. it because you're going to let the other people in the band and that work for the band down by not doing it and the fans and the that have fans, paid yeah. for tickets to come and see yeah. you. So well, there were so many examples of that. Like one, the worst breakup I've ever been through, we played Leopalooza Festival a couple of days afterwards, after it had happened, and we had to drive to Cornwall. And I cried all the way there in the back of the car. And then played, just the three of you, just the three of car. us, and just and then played two sets of La Da 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 Da. Yeah. Aren't we funny? Yeah. And then got back in the car and cried all the way home. Yeah. In some ways, there's so much great recovery, loveliness of going out and doing that because, you know, you get to not be in your head about something, whatever's yeah. going wrong for those few minutes. But there's something really hard about whacking on a pair of false eyelashes and painting your face on yeah. and putting some squeezing into a sequin dress or whatever. Like, and It's that bit just before you do the fun bit that's like, oh, why, and why am I doing this? And looking at you. Yeah. And then you walk out and then you have to draw on your acting skills to go, move in and move out. Hands yeah. Up yeah, you got to start doing that. Uh, yeah. 25 minutes. Isn't yeah. this hilarious? Yeah, I want to die then. inside. And then back in the car. Off to the next gig. Yeah. Oh, good. Great to stay in a shit travel lodge. So, yeah. Lovely. God, how oh, McDonald's for dinner again. Lovely. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. And it and we all it all of us. I know sure every musician and every performer has had loads of those scenarios mm -hmm. where you just have to get on and do your job. Yeah. 
don't whinge about it. Just get and on with it. And you can't whinge about it. Someone's like, oh, was it sad? Yeah. Was it hard for you? Yeah. Like, and they can't contemplate it. Like, you know, the whole point of your podcast, like, you see people, there's a different way that people look at you when you're the one on the stage under the light. Mm. Even people that have known you for a really long time. Yes. And they can't match that with somebody that's not a very confident person or mm. doesn't entirely believe in their ability. And yeah. I sang with the other two for seven years in the band and 10 years with choirs and things. And I still at the end felt like I was the shit one and mm. secretly they both wanted me. They wished I wasn't in the band, Yeah, <laughs> which is completely preposterous. Yeah. And I've, told, I've talked to them about it. Like, yeah. like it's completely ridiculous if they and didn't want me in the band they wouldn't, they wouldn't have, have me in the, the band. band and you'd know if they were lying to you go no no we know we want you in the band you'd know that because you know them so well and you know each other so well but it's this weird like little demon on your shoulder that goes yeah. you know um you know they don't want you in the band right yeah and you're like oh do they not no 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 they told me and you're like you know oh my god you know they always you know you always get that bit wrong and they yeah. know <laughs> and, they and know. they're just seething about it and they know yeah quietly seething about <laughs> it and they've just never told you yeah, yeah seven years i'm like <laughs> you know, and you know the voice is like jen would absolutely have corrected you they would be like you know <laughs> yeah. you know that bit's this and you'd be like oh shit and then you go and practice it and you get it right or they've worked out that you're just singing a different bit but it's fine like yeah. musically it works yeah. or yeah, whatever because that used to happen as well all the time you're like nah, I'm, I'm not reaching that bit we're doing this bit yeah the idea that somebody's secretly been in a band with you for seven years secretly <laughs> wishing yeah. you weren't in the band is completely ridiculous. completely ridiculous yeah. and, and, and you're laughing <laughs> about it now because like you know it's ridiculous but then i reckon in you know maybe four months time you'll have the like an off day with anxiety and you'll go maybe i was the you know i laughed about it in that podcast but yeah maybe i am right maybe they are and it, it, it's so strange how it just like comes about but like you say you can't moan about it because you you've played wembley and you, you've slept with the entire cast of steel panther <laughs> like, <laughs> and i have i have slept with the entire cast of steel yeah panther. so have i <laughs> who hasn't? Yeah, who hasn't we're all there in the queue <laughs> in 2016 was like a massive year for the band we released our album we went on tour with status quo we played the o2 we like we were doing i got to do an in uh, we got to do an hmv in store at oh, my wow. hmv in southampton Amazing. where i used to go and buy my Glastonbury yeah. tickets and stuff like it was huge like on on paper like it was massive yeah. like and behind the scenes i had lost my job mm. my my housemate and my partner at the time were financially holding me together mm. i had no money mm. at all and I was, and I don't like relying on other people financially. Mm. And I was at proper rock bottom yeah. in terms of that side. But like on the other side, everything was the most sparkly it's ever yeah. been. <laughs> it's so random. And then the day that we did the HMV in-store, we got in the car and we got an email from our agent and they dropped us. And it was like a week after the album had come no. out. And so still we're there like, ah, oh, isn't everything yeah. amazing? We're going on tour. Everybody yeah. come see us on tour. <laughs> and then the reality was that we were three of us were in the car and I, I, I was just in tears. I'd worked so hard. Yeah. We all had to get to that point. And then just you got we got that lovely euphoria of the album coming out and everything being mm. really exciting. And then to just get dropped by our agent and I just it was just felt like it doesn't matter how hard you work or how hard you try sometimes you don't get the yeah. things that you yeah. want but you can't not 
work hard. You can't not try. And you can't, yeah, and you can't turn around and be like really bitter about it no, or show no. all of that angst because you're still trying to sell tickets and albums and like all of that kind of stuff yeah. and you're still having a wonderful time yeah. but like there is this other side to it that's yeah. gut-wrenchingly awful yeah. <laughs> you gotta remember it is the music business it's not the music friendship I it's rem- such a business thing one of steel panther's team told us that in 2015 really? and i've never forgotten it yeah, yeah like that's why they call it music business yeah it's It's a weird beast. So why the split? Was it a money thing? No, ironically, we just got to the stage where the band started making money. Oh, really? (laughs) That's interesting. So yeah, why the split? Um, We'd been doing it for seven years and it everyone wanted to go and do different things Mm -hmm. in their lives. Jen had started her own choir business. Timmy was living in France. I was, I was working. I, I event managed um, large scale concerts and things were getting busier and it's hard being in a band. Mm. It's hard work. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of time. And that causes a strain on everybody and particularly your friendships it's also really hard to be in a business with like two of your best mates yeah that's what people forget you're in a band and a business with the same people it is a business you're having as many conversations about tax as you are about like songs yeah Yeah. and and from my point of view it had got to the stage where the doing the bit that i enjoyed i wasn't i didn't have the energy to do the the singing the Mm. really good bit that i enjoyed and be fully present in that because there was so much other stuff going on in terms of the administrative side of it um and that was really frustrating um and it starts to affect your friendship and we never wanted it the whole point of the band was to do it for fun yeah and then all of this other stuff happened which made it like big and important and like whatever and we agreed through a lot of very honest and open communication um that ultimately we just we were going to stop it and if we were going to stop it we wanted to do it on our own terms before we'd got to the point where no one liked each other or or no one was paying any attention or like do you know what i mean we were like let's just have some amazing shows and go out on stage holding hands and take bows and and love each other yeah and enjoy it for what it is and that's what we did and i'm really glad we did because yeah. then the whole world shut down and <laughs> yes <laughs> three yeah. weeks later <laughs> yeah <laughs> jesus yes so you kind of got out in time it's almost like you created it so then you're you not, knew the, it was a- not the first person to draw the comparison if you, if you go on our twitter i'm sure like people still complain that the end of the band caused the world to end <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not I'm accepting no responsibility yeah. for that. But, um, you know, one of my worlds ended when the band ended. Yeah, of but, course. Was, um, there, was there any, um, like during the band or towards the end, was there any big fights between the three of you? I mean, I won't want to, want to speak for them. Um, but, I mean, no, we didn't, we didn't fight mm-hmm. in that way. We weren't, we weren't aggressive with each, with each other. There was a lot right. of heartache and a lot of that, yeah. it, more that, sort of more honest, uh, more honest communication and heartache, really, Great. as everybody was trying to explain their point of view and how, how working in the band was making them feel. Yeah, which is a much healthier way of, of doing this. Yeah. 
Like we didn't want to be in that. We it was supposed to be for fun, and and also mm. that whole act was fun. Yeah. You can't do that if you're all arriving in separate cars and yeah. you're not talking to each other. And do you know what I mean? The whole the whole act of lounge kittens it wasn't it was an act because it is always an act. It's always a, but it was a heightened version of ourselves. Mm. If we weren't mates, it wouldn't work. And people would have seen that on stage. Exactly, everyone the knew little looks to each other. Like, the fans knew us well enough by that yeah. point. And you can be a really good actor, but like you can't. It's, yeah. That's an intense. <laughs> performance yeah. to to do that if you're seething inside at somebody and who wants to work like that no one wants no, to work in a job no. where you're not happy and the, you know the wonderful thing is that we are all still friends we still see each other as regularly right. as we can like and it's really special and who's to say that if we if we kept pushing with the band that that would be the case mm, yeah mm. and you could yeah you can't keep looking back you, you made you made a decision and you're happy with that decision right cool what's next what's what we're we going to do next well, I mean, that's the scary part, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That is the horrible <laughs> thing about like being self-employed as well. When you're like, say when I'm not running a studio or whatever and, or doing session work and it's like, cool, I've got five gig ne- next week. Cool. Great. What am I doing the week after that? What's, oh, I haven't got anything booked in February. Oh shit. Uh, okay. And you just start, okay, cool. I'm not doing this job anymore. I should go and work in like a normal <laughs> job. Um, and you get that horrible, that horrible kind of, well, see, for me, it's, me, it's it's the it's the because everyone was immediately like, "Oh, well, what are you going to do next?" Mm. And you're like, "I think I'll just grieve this for a bit, actually." <laughs> yeah, Because <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> it's like kind of like going through like a weird artistic divorce. Yes, like yeah. where you're like, "No, I'm not quite up for like you know." Or when you lose a pet, like you know, you yeah. know, I'm not getting, I'm just not getting a new one, right? Getting, like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? And be like, "Well, this one's shitter than the last one." Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so you're kind of like grieving, and obviously then and I was like well I'm going to concentrate on my job you know I'm going to yeah. I'm going to p- push myself in my career like ma- managing festivals and doing yeah. stadium shows and blah 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 and then obviously the world ended and no one did any events for two years yeah and so I couldn't do that um so what happened with your work that side of work then what what did you stay on did uh you... yeah so yeah we yeah we didn't know what so company I, is I it? work for Kilimanjaro Live cool. so we're Great. like the third or fourth biggest promoter yeah, in wow. the UK big name um and uh yeah we were really we, they handled it really well we didn't lose any staff awesome um uh i was flexi furloughed i learned a lot about insurance claims that was my job oh, really? that i cool. did um over admin. over yeah, admin. <laughs> i'm so good at admin i should start a band called admin yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just type stuff yeah, yeah. really just three of you go on stage and just type yeah all, all our songs are really grammatically correct yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so yeah so we did basically did that we did some christmas lights trails like things that you could do safely outdoors oh cool lots of people um and then yeah and now we're back into back into really busy yeah do you um, enjoy the job yeah i like i grew up in the theater um uh so and my dad is a techie and so i grew up backstage and then on stage um just in the amateur world and then so you've seen a lot of backstage yeah and so i get i get a joy from being part of the show even when i'm not great on the stage that's really good it's not the same (laughs) yeah it's totally different it's totally different (laughs) i don't get me wrong like 
it's more fun when you're on the stage. Yeah. Um, but I get, do get a huge amount of joy from because live music is awesome and that's yeah. like what I work in and yeah. that's the best. I still get to see thousands of people come to see Ed Sheeran or the Stereophonics yeah. or whatever yeah. and have the best night of their lives yeah. partly because of a little bit of my hard work and that, yeah. that's really rewarding. Um, but yeah, it's not the same as being on the stage yeah. <laughs> and making everybody laugh. Yeah, I had that in... Um when I worked for that sound company, I was in a, I was working in the warehouse and I had to like put like a massive loom together, like a big hundred meter thick cable. And I was like just mm. struggling with this thing. It took me like all day to like loom this thing together. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, I'm doing this. this is ridiculous. I hate this job. This is ridiculous. And then when we did Glastonbury, my manager came up and went, oh yeah, you know that loom I got you to do? There it is up there. And I looked <gasps> up and I was like, oh, that's what it's doing. He's like, yeah, why well, I had to get you to stagger them because of this with this and this and i was like oh yeah they're staggered so that can go into that that and i was like oh wow i can see it actually that's come together so now. cool it was rad it was rad like, none of the crowd could see it it was just behind the curtain at the top and i was like oh i did that that was my first proper like oh that's a cool moment that's that cool is really moment. that is really cool yeah, like right. an old nerd alert but yeah, like, yeah proper <laughs> nerdy like yeah i did that patreon.com forward slash dan parkinson music whenever i do a show with um I play for James Martin, the TV chef, and we do like car fests and all those kind of shows. I always make a point to go up to the sound guys and the techs and like say thanks and do all that kind of stuff because I was in, I was literally doing I, that job I think, three years ago. I think everybody should have experience of what it's like to do the others, be on the other side. Like it's yeah. so valuable because it just makes you a nicer person. Yes. To everybody yeah. that you come across. Like, and I think that was one of the things that. We all, the, the lounge kittens are so nice, yeah, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Like, you know, like then it's always even more of a surprise when we start swearing on stage. Yeah, but, yeah. but it was just because, like, you know, you do you just thank everybody. It's yeah. so easy. It's so, it's so easy, yeah. It's so easy to have such a nice, easy life. Yeah. Like, in that environment, if you just say thank you and just, like, not don't be a hassle. Like, yeah, yeah, don't, yeah like, don't be a hassle. Don't be a dick. Uh, say thank you. And you'll probably get the gig over the guy that's better than you on guitar, but didn't say thank you. Like, yeah, you'll probably didn't say thank you or like made everything your problem yes. or whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? Just like, just sort yourselves out. Mm. Like when we went, you know, when we went on tour with Steel Pants, like, we had no idea. Like I'd never toured arenas. Like I didn't know. We didn't know what all the different passes meant. We didn't know what yeah. the rules were in catering. We didn't yeah. know, like, we had to like, just watch everybody and, and just be like, oh, we put our plates over there. Learn quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's what we thought. <laughs> Yeah. Like we didn't eat anything for like the first three days because we were absolutely terrified. Yeah, you didn't think you were like, allowed. Just we? like, like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah, so you just sort of, but you just learn and just watch everybody else and then just be really nice. Yeah, because there's no, unfortunately, everyone listening, there is no YouTube video that tells you how to be a touring musician. There's no, <laughs> there's no YouTube video <laughs> it, that goes, do this, this and this. If there <laughs> is, it's a lie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like... yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, welcome to the channel. Remember to like and subscribe. So today we're going to talk about being a musician. But first, I want to talk about Costa Coffee. Oh, fuck off. Well, they're all like, hey, here we are backstage for all the hookers and drugs. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, no, yeah. it's just seven men in shorts yeah. looking for Wi Fi. Like, yeah, yeah. Looking at everyone sitting quietly looking at their phones. Yeah, everyone's just like, sitting there on their, their it's phone. It's really dull. It's so dull. <laughs> but one of the first tours I went on, I uh, got offered this tour. And my wife was like, oh, so you're just going to be like hanging out with like a load of girls and doing like drugs and stuff. And I was like, come to one of the shows. Just come <laughs> to one of the shows. And she came to one of the shows. She came to from like Leeds to London or whatever and got on the, the splitter with us. 
And when she got to London, she was like, oh, I'm going to get off here and go home. And I was like, you're bored? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, it's boring, isn't it? She, yeah. You're just on the motorway. You're on the motorway for five hours a day. You're like, oh, what shall I order from Greg's this time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, might just mix it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not glamorous, but it, it's... I a, mean, it's still the best job in the world. It's still like, the best, yeah. It's, there's a lot... You know, we can always whinge, but it's still it's still the best job in the world. But yeah, I think yeah, you have to have a particular mindset to be, yeah. to be able to do all the other stuff around the performing. Yeah. I love it personally. I like being on the road, but yeah, a lot I, of I other people yeah. really struggle. I do really like it. I, I kind of see it as like a when I'm on the road, I kind of think, oh, cool, I'll sort out my problems another time. And it's like, it's a way to oh, get the get ultimate escapism. It is the ultimate escape. Like, because I'm at work. So it's I, justified. Yeah, I'm, work, so it's fine. I'm not just dossing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm like, not just hanging out playing Call of Duty. I mean, I am in a hotel room, but I got a gig tomorrow, so it's fine. Exactly, I'm working. <laughs> it's still work. Oh, I didn't manage to open my laptop today. I'm afraid. Oh, I was yeah, so yeah, busy so with busy my 10 work. minute sound check and my 40 <laughs> yeah. minute set. There just yeah. wasn't time. Yeah. <laughs> when the lounge kittens were going, was Instagram social media quite a big thing at the time? Yeah, was it just so, like before yeah. that. So, were you in charge of? All the social media, yeah. So it worked like everyone had access to it. That's another. Ultimately, I was the voice of the lounge kittens a lot of the time. And I loved it in a way because, I mean, I loved loved it. I am a bit of a control freak. I'm an event manager. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, control freaks by nature. Um, I was the one that had the time to do it. And then obviously I then obviously didn't have time to do it. And it was the one one thing that I think I probably would have given away or should have given away like yeah. got somebody in okay, to yeah. do the sort of nitty-gritty of it yeah. earlier but also we really liked it because it stood us in good said because the fans knew that if they if we talked back to them it was one of us it was you yeah and that was cool that was cool and like that gave us a real insight into the fans and because the best thing to come out of lounge kittens was the the fans and the way that they connected with each other and because we did quite a lot of talking about mental health in the band um all of us have suffered mental health issues over the years before the band in the band Mm. after the band and um and so we had never expected because it's it's three girls dicking about doing Mm. comedy songs we had never expected um people to get in contact and be like oh your music's really helped me out through a really bad time and we're like but we're just being silly yeah (laughs) yeah um and and people did loads like almost every day someone would get in contact and be like just so you know this music means so much to me like what you're doing like like it helped me through some really bad times um it got to the stage where um, we developed we developed the phrase "You're never alone" at a lounge kitten show because we had lots of people. We appealed specifically to a very core demographic of gamers, loners, people that were into D and D, like that kind of like nerdy yeah. kind of alternative. Don't quite know where we fit in the world of everything, people, which are what the three of us are. Yeah, and people come to they would come to their gigs on our gigs on their own. And so that's cool. And then they started to make friends with the other people that came to yeah. gigs on their own. And then they formed gangs of them. And they're all still friends. Like that's I know because awesome. I still talk to them. <laughs> like that's great. And it's so cool that like and you guys created an environment where that happened. That's... Completely by fluke, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like to- yeah, totally by chance. I think yeah. And that yeah, that was like definitely the most special. That's part of the payment, isn't it? Definitely. That's great. 
Definitely. Better than the 100 quid I got playing Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even get that. That was for the band. <laughs> the whole band. And that's what the people want to know. And, 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 we had, and we had to buy our hotel rooms and feed Did everybody. And, yeah. Like, I think it was 100 quid. Yeah. Nothing, like nothing. It's, cost yeah. us way more to do the tour, but it was absolutely worth it. Yeah, Again, worth, what yeah, are you going to do? Yeah. Like, no, yeah, no. <laughs> I think that thanks for the offer, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, it's been great to talk to you. Oh, like, thank you for having thank me. You. No, thanks for coming in. And yeah, it's been a nice insight to what you kind of did, especially with mental health. It's really what you kind of done for people is, it is amazing. Did you ever look back and think, I'm actually quite proud of that? Because it is... I'm really proud of it. I'm right. incredibly, insanely proud of it in a very hugely egotistical way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Because who would have... No, I'm glad you who, do. I'm glad like, you're able to actually see that and go, shit, we created something. Uh, I got to do all of these amazing things, which yeah. very few people like ever get to do. Like, yeah. I didn't even dare dream of... like I've always loved to sing. I never, ever dared even audition to be in a band. Mm. Like It just happened by chance. And then also from that, I got some of the best relationships of my life yeah. with the other two, some of the best experiences. And we created this this community of people who still love each other in like a really lovely, open, welcoming, non-judgmental like way. And yeah, totally, absolutely proud of it. Yeah, you should be. That's great. cool. Yeah. Still the best job in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess before you go, what have you got coming up? What's next? Well, that's the tricky thing with me. See, I don't really know. You don't know? Like, no. It doesn't have to be music based. I'm, just... I'm still working. I'm just trying to feel my way out of the pandemic, like most mm. people, I think. Yeah. Um, there's a whole another show on like, what the hell do you do after you've been in a band yes. that's had quite a bit of success and you were in it because you were really good at admin and yeah. could sing a bit. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like, well, I can't, like, I can't write a song. Like I can't play any music. Like I can't play an instrument. Like I do I go back to the theater? I haven't yeah. been in the theater for a really long time. Probably can't do that anymore. Yeah. Like do I, you know, I write a blog. I used to write write for magazines do i do something like that there's the whole yeah there's a whole creative sphere that's like all encompassing and terrifying yeah because you i've listened to in your other episodes and um your friend elliot was saying that you know you guys have he's always done music with you yeah like i always had the other two yeah i don't know if i know how to do it without the other two yeah and I don't know if I want to do it without the other two. Yeah. Like it takes quite a lot of a lot of soul searching to sort of come to the point where you can look back on something like that experience of Lounge Kittens and be like, that was a cool time in my life. And that's it, rounded off. Yeah. yeah. And not just be like, oh, I wish we were still doing that again. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, oh, I wish I was 32 and like <laughs> about to step on stage at Sonosphere yeah. like, in a thing that I can never relive. And I have got to that point where I'm like, that was a cool thing. Great. Great. And I feel at peace with it. You feel, yeah, awesome. I don't know if I would, might ruin that feeling by trying to do something else. Yeah. And also, I got into Lounge Kittens completely by accident. It mm. just happened. It was one of those wonderful organic things. So, Maybe the key is not to push it. Yeah, yeah. You know, not to go out round looking for, trying to force myself into any kind of opportunity that I can. Maybe yeah. if something else happens, it'll happen. And that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, awesome, mate. 
Mate, thank you for chatting. Oh, it's been awesome. It's, it's lovely been my to pleasure. meet you. I've only ever heard your voice on a Grant Sharkey record over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's that's what I'm doing next. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, going to be. Next Grant I'm, yeah, record. I'm going to form a Grant Sharkey tribute back. <laughs> yeah. You, Grant, and my mate Elliot. <laughs> just, <laughs> just me wandering around the, pretending to be Grant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just reviewing bargies and like yeah. talking about how much I hate Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I reckon you'd be all right at that. Oh, he'd love it. And he'd give him him a year off. (laughs) He'd love it. (laughs) That was Zan Lawther talking on the Stage Fright podcast. If you'd like to help out the show, please sign up to my Patreon, where for the price of half a coffee a month, you'll get early access to ad-free, higher-quality versions of the pod, as well as some extra bonus bits and conversations. Patreon.com forward slash Dan Parkinson Music. Email me any thoughts and ideas you might have for the pod, or if you want to be a guest, allrightstagefright at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter if if you want. You don't have to, but there's some cool photos and stuff on there. Anyway, thanks for listening and I'll see you in the next one. See ya!